Hey, it's Cody Woodard, pastor of Renovation Church in Gallatin, Tennessee. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. I hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, well, welcome to Renovation Church. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is Cody Woodard. I'm the lead pastor here. Thank you so much just for tuning in and hanging out with us today. Uh, No matter where you're watching from, hey, we would love to know about that. The past couple of weeks, we've seen people from over 20 states around our country. We've even seen people watch in and tune in from different countries. And so wherever you're at right now, make sure you put it in the comments. Let us know. We are getting the chance to reach people all over the world. And so thank you so much for believing in us and thank you for your generosity. You really are helping us reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus. We're in week two of a series called Done With That based on a book that I just finished reading by a pastor named Bob Merritt, the pastor of Eagle Brook Church in the Twin Cities. And, uh, and here's the premise of the book. It's around the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says this, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has come. And if that's true, then what's wrong with me? I mean, if the old life is gone, then why is it do I, why do I still struggle? Why do I still have these moments where I'm selfish? Why do I still get angry? Why am I still impatient, right? Why do I still battle against some of the same insecurities I've had since I was a teenager? Why do I still fail? Why do we still fail? We talked about this last week. The reason why we still struggle, the reason why we still fail is because we had the tendency and temptation to sin. And so we define sin like this. Sin is anything that damages relationships, anything that damages relationships. And so got me thinking, you know, over the past uh, couple of weeks, Jessica has had me do some honey to-do list, right? And she's been looking on Pinterest and making me do all of these projects. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Like every time she's asked me to do something during this pandemic, I've gotten a little bit irritated, just a little bit frustrated, right? And the other day she was uh, wanting us to go ahead and to start um, kind of transforming our second son's room, who's due in August. His name is Avery Jett. And uh, she had this idea she saw on Pinterest that we would paint his wall, do an accent wall and do these like wooden squares everywhere. And she saw it on a, on a wall that was perfectly squared where our wall was rectangled. So I was like, girl, that ain't going to work. It's not going to be what you pictured and there's really no directions. And so I just got irritable because it required me to risk my life and go to Lowe's when I'm not supposed to just to do this stinking Pinterest idea that she had, right? And so I'm getting, I'm getting frustrated because not only did I have to do the project, I had to clean out the room. And so it was our guest room. And so I'm having to move the bed. I'm having to take apart the headboard. I'm having to move dressers and break my back and get my my buddy to come over and help me do it when we're supposed to be quarantined. She's having me break all the rules. And here I am already right now blaming her for it all. And I have this tendency to, to blame and to get irritable. And so we begin to do this project and I paint the walls and I start putting these squares up. Here's kind of what it looks like. Um, it, it's these squares, right? And so when I started, there was this top square right here that once I, I, I built the first square, she said, that ain't gonna work. And I was like, what? What do you mean it's not gonna work? It's exactly what you pictured. She said, no, 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 it's not gonna be even. You're, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it too high. And I'm like, girl, I've measured like multiple times. There's nine squares, okay? So all of them are gonna be the same length. And she's like, no, it's not. I'm telling you, you're wrong. And I'm like, I, I'm right. Like, don't tell me how to do it. You're not the one doing it. I'm the one doing it, right? And so then I, I take a step back and I look at the square and I'm like, oh, she's right. 
And I was like, well, I mean, it's too late now. Like if I start over now, I'm gonna have to go back to Lowe's, put back on my mask, back on my gloves. I'm gonna have to redo it all. There's no way I can pull that piece of wood off of the wall without breaking it. And she's like, just try. And I'm like, no, I know that I'm right. And she's like, well, you just stink and try it, Cody. So I was like, fine. What happens? I pull at the wood, boom, and pulls it off. And then I turn around and she's like, told you. <laughs> and I was like, man, don't you just hate those moments, man, where you just like, you know you're right. Like you just know it deep down and then you turn out wrong, <laughs> right? Like, isn't it frustrating? You ever done that where you just kind of went through life thinking everybody's wrong, everybody else is stupid. You know you're right. They're, they're always wrong. And then you find out like, you were wrong the whole time and you're just mad, right? Like maybe you're married to somebody like that. Look at the screen, look at the screen. Don't be looking next to you, right? But like we all have these tendencies. I had this tendency to where I think that I'm right and I believe that I'm right and everybody else is wrong and I think I'm right about everything. And then there's the moments where I realized I was wrong all along and it's frustrating and it makes me mad. And so we still have this tendency and temptation to sin, the temptation of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life like we talked about last week. And so those things are still there, but what is gone are these things. What, are, what is gone is separation from God. The separation from God is if you were in Christ and you've been made a new creation, you are no longer separated from God. That Christ reconciled us back to himself when he died on the cross and resurrected from the grave. And the second thing is he's paid the penalty for our sin. That's gone. So despite maybe how you grew up, despite maybe what you've been told, God isn't up in heaven looking down at you, angry, wanting to punish you. Okay, the penalty for your sin, for my sin is gone. If you were in Christ, if you have begun a relationship with him, Christ died on the cross for you instead of you, rose from the grave so that the penalty had been paid. Amen? Amen. And then it says the slavery to sin is gone. The slavery to sin is gone that you and I are no longer held hostage by our sin, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I now have a choice to choose not to sin. And so the, the separation is gone, the penalty is gone, and the slavery is gone. And it says it like this in Romans chapter six, it says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. We have a choice. And then it says in verse 16, it says, don't you know that you are a slave to the one you obey? either a slave to sin, which leads to death, or a slave to obedience, which leads to life. See, you and I, we, are, we have this ability, we have this ability to choose, and it says that the one you obey, you're either a slave to sin or a slave to obedience. It's the idea that we're being controlled by either our sinful nature or by obedience. That we're either controlled by our sinful nature or by obedience. And so we talked about last week, how, how is it then do we not let sin control us? How do we not constantly give in to the temptation? So we talked about how we are called to be led by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. And the way we can do that is we can start out with knowing our identity, then identifying the sin, and then speaking the truth. That we can know our identity, we can identify the sin, and then we can speak the truth. But how is it then? What does this actually mean? Why then do we still struggle? 
Why is it? Do we still have issues? Here's why, and this is the title of my message. It's the whole point I want to make today, that if you do not want to be controlled by sin, if you want to be done with that, you got to get out of the middle. Write that down. Put it in the comments. You got to get out of the middle. You got to get out in the middle. Because see, here's the tendency, right? You got, you got these two different things we talked about last week. You have our sinful nature, right? And then you have the fruit of the Spirit. But where you and I tend to live is we live actually in, in the middle. And you got to get out of the middle. There's this idea that as a Christian, just because you've been made new in Christ, that you can still kind of live there. And so the reality is, is that we want this, but we don't want to let go of that. We we want this type of life because we know that that's where it leads, but we, we, we're not ready to necessarily let go of all of these things. And so what happens is, is we're in the middle and, and we want a healthy marriage, but until we get married, we're just going to still sleep around with everybody we come in contact with, right? Like we, we want to experience freedom from addiction of hanging with our old crowd, but we're not willing, we're not willing to let go of our old friends, Right, like we want to lose weight, but we don't want to stop eating cake. Come on, somebody. Right, like we, we want this stuff over here, but we're not quite willing to let go of the sinful nature. And see, what we call this is we call this the middle. And see, here's, here's what the middle looks like. Check this out. And so what we will do, we'll say things like this. We'll, we'll look at this and we'll go, you know, I'm not really sure if I want that um, because that looks boring. Right, that's the myth of like Christianity is that like love and joy and, and peace, like that, that don't seem like a lot of fun, but this over here, this looks like a lot of fun. But so for those of us who are in Christ, we're going, well, you know, I, what's wrong with a little, losing control a little bit, you know? Like I, I just let loose, have a little fun, right? And so we, we don't necessarily want this all the time because we think it's boring, but we don't want this because, well, that's kind of like the gutter. And so we're like, well, our mentality is, is like, well, you know, I'm not going to go have a full-blown a full blown affair, but what's, what's wrong with a little bit of soft porn? You know, or the middle is when we say, we say things like, you know, I'm not actually going to like say anything bad about you, but I'm going to hold a grudge for a lifetime. Or, or maybe it's, it's going, you know, hey, I'm not going to lie to your face. I'm just not going to tell you the whole truth. Or, or maybe it's like, you know, I'm not going to go on, a, on an outrage and just knock you out and punch you, right? But, but one day... I will get even, right? And so the middle looks like these things like soft porn, grudges, impatience, critical spirit, deception, getting even, hot-tempered, buzzed, right? It's like, well, I'm not gonna become a, a full-blown alcoholic and get sloshed every day, but what's wrong with a little bit of buzz? And, and so you talk about the, the middle is where we often live. And, and so people ask me, right? The fruit of the spirit, it, it gives us a result of, of life, and the sinful nature gives us the result of death. And so people ask me, well, what, what is the middle result in? The middle result in this, the bachelor. <laughs> Come on. The middle result in the bachelor. Don't, I'm not trying to hate on it. But look, if you were to ask me, hey, how do you define the bachelor? It's all this stuff right here, right? right? And so the middle, it's, it's, here's the reality you just need to understand. The middle is miserable. The middle is, is miserable. See, we, we just have this, we believe this lie that when we live in the middle, let's go back there. When we live in the middle, we, we think that we can kind of just stay here and have the, the best of both worlds. 
that we can have calorie-free cake that makes us lose weight. Come on. Or we can have the, the fruit from faithfulness, but not lose the fun of sin. Write this in the comments. It don't work like that. That's what I almost titled the message today. It don't work like that. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter six. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. What's he saying? He's saying, you can't, it don't work like that. You can't have one and the other. And here is why. Because the middle is miserable. And if you live in the middle, you will always drift to diso disobedience. See, the middle is a slant. And if you think that you can live here, you will always drift to disobedience. You will always drift back. And it's one of the greatest lies that the enemy will sell you, especially if you're a Christian. You, you ain't got to live like all that over there. You don't have to be producing fruits of the spirit. You, you can just kind of have the best of, of both worlds. And the reason why is because when we live in the middle and we feel miserable, we start experiencing shame for what we've done. It's why maybe right now, maybe, maybe you're experiencing some shame or guilt of a decision you recently made. Maybe a decision that you say, you know, I'm never gonna do that again. And then you woke up and by the end of the day, it's like, today's gonna be different. But then by the end of the day, you did the very thing that you said, you know what, I'm gonna be done with that. And you failed. It's in the middle where you feel lonely. It's in the middle where you feel isolated. It's in the middle where you experience this, this hiding place. And see, here's the truth, that, that even though the middle may be in secret and you may not think it's hurting everybody else, it's hurting you. Even though sometimes people aren't seeing what's happening in the hidden place, the truth is, is you can't experience healing and hiding. And so what oftentimes we do is we think that this is okay and no one really needs to know about it. And initially you're right. Maybe it's not affecting the people around you, but it's hurting you. And hurting people hurt people. So here's my question. If, if, if the natural drift is towards disobedience, if the natural drift is to death, then what are some things in your life right now that, that are dying? What, what are some things right now where quarreling is happening? Rage is happening. Where is it in your life right now maybe where you're feeling, where you're feeling disconnected, where you're feeling alone, where you're feeling isolated, where, where the temptation happens? See, the middle is where the enemy prowls. And, and so the middle is the place where we, we neglect our friends. The middle is the place where we neglect accountability. And we think that we can just kind of do this whole thing on our own. Right, and so check this verse out. I think this is gonna help. In Romans 6, Paul says this. He says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. So you really, you were, when you were slaves to sin, before you had a relationship with Jesus, and, and let me just say this. If you're watching today and, and you're not a Christian, you need to understand that, that this is actually why we started this church is for you. That this is a place you really can belong before you believe. So nothing I'm trying to say right now is coming from a place of judgment. This is just the Bible. It says, when you were slaves to sin, we were all in the bondage of sin. You were free from the control of righteousness. Essentially, what he's saying is, is you're not held to the same type of standard that a Christian is because you haven't yet accepted that gift of grace. You haven't yet been made new. So you're free from the control of righteousness. But what result did that get you from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in, in death. Let me illustrate it this way. A couple years ago, there was this, uh, 
this movie that came out. I, I thought about this because the other night on Facebook, I was asking everybody, I was like, hey, um, what are some good documentaries? What are some good like movies to binge right now or whatever? And one of my favorite documentaries I've ever watched just maybe a year ago um, is, is a documentary called Free Solo. And it's about this guy named Alex Hanold, and, and he is the, uh, he, he sets world records with these free solo climbing acts. And so free solo simply means without constraints. And so what happens is, is he gets eight of his closest friends to come around him and to, to do this documentary because he decides he wants to climb this, the biggest boulder in the entire world known as El Capitan. And so El Capitan is, is 3,200 feet high and it, it's straight, granted, it's slick, it's straight up. And no one has ever free soloed El Capitan. No one has ever been able to climb up it without the help of ropes and constraints. And so he decides he wants to break this world record. It's his lifelong dream to climb this thing free solo. And so as you're watching the movie, there's this part where everyone's really nervous about and he's doing his training and, and, and he gets really nervous about this one part on the mountain. It's known as Teflon Corner. And so what he, what he talks about when he describes Teflon Corner is that it's the place he's fallen multiple times with ropes. It's the place where he literally is hanging on by fingertips and his feet are literally on the edges of the granite. And, and so as he gets ready to to climb this, this mountain, when he gets ready to climb El Capitan, he, his friends start gathering around, around him and, and there's these shots where, where the, they're, they're recording each other and they're kind of talking about what's about to happen as he tries to break this record. He tries to do something that's never been done before without constraints, free solo. And so what's interesting is that they begin to interview his friends and there's this like really weird spirit of, of dread. Because as they begin talking about the friends, one of them actually brings up and says, I've actually had over 30 friends die from free soloing. And so they're believing that their best friend, Alex, most likely is gonna fall to his death and they're gonna watch the entire thing. They, they talk about a guy by the name of Dan Oslin, who was, oh, he, he, had, he had set records for free soloing as well. And he would actually like swing from cliffs without constraint. He, he wouldn't have any ropes. He wouldn't have anything like that. And, and people would ask him one time they were interviewing him and they said, they said, Dan, do you have, do you have a death wish? Like, why are you doing that? And he says, I don't have a death wish. I just love the feeling. I love the rush of having no constraints. Think about that. I love the rush. And so here Alex is about to do this and he gets to Teflon Corner and despite all odds against him, he, he does it. He gets around the corner and he climbs to the top of El Capitan, being the first person to ever do it. Accomplishes his life dream. And what we would think is that when he gets to the top, the movie would end there and it would be a big celebration. But what happens is, is when he gets to the top, he stands up there and then they ask him, are you ever gonna do this again? Because he made this promise. If I accomplish this, this is my dream. And if I do this, my life will be made complete. I'll never put my life in this kind of danger again. And they ask him, will you ever do this again? He says, you know, there's gotta be something more than this. There's gotta be something more. This can't be, this can't be it. Now, with that in mind, let me read Romans 6 to you again. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. You, you were without constraint. And we tend to want to believe that we can go through life free solo. 
We want to believe that we can go through life without constraint, without boundaries, and we can just simply do whatever we want. And our hope is that we won't fall to our death, that we won't drift back to disobedience, but it don't work that way. You gotta get out of the middle. So it says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness, but what result did that get you from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. And so here's my question for you. Right now, if you have the tendency like I do to, to still fall short, to fail to the sin, to feel the shame, to feel the guilt, to know that what you've done is wrong, and you're in the middle and you're miserable, and, and there's things around you, there's relationships around you that have already died or are dying, the reason why it could be is because you're trying to live life free solo. You're trying to live life without constraints and simply do whatever makes you happy. You're living for the rush, believing that you can accomplish your dreams, that you can get on top of the mountain. And when you do, you will be satisfied. But it don't work like that. There'll still be a hole inside of you because of that sin nature, because that there was only one thing, one person that can ever satisfy that longing and that desire. And it's not a dream you have, it's a God you have, and his name is Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And so you can try to live life free solo, you have that right. If you're not in Christ, you can do whatever you wanna do, but just understand that it will result in death. Things around you will, they will die. And so then how is it, how do we get out of the middle? Right, like if, if the tendency is to live there, how is it, how do we get out of the middle? Here's number one, if you're taking notes, you gotta, you gotta believe that we all have a choice. The verse I read earlier in Romans six says that you will either be a slave to sin or a slave to obedience. You can't serve two masters as Jesus says in Matthew six. You and I have a choice to make and we can either choose to live without constraint, to choose sin or to choose obedience. Number two, the middle is miserable. I think it, it really does start with the point that the middle is miserable. And if we really want to be done with that, if we really want to live the life God's called us to live, if we want to experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, we have to stop buying into the myth that we can live in the middle. We have to believe and just acknowledge the fact that this middle life, this, this hypocrisy that some of us are living, the, the place where we're hiding that we think isn't affecting anybody, we got to come to the place where we got to go, you know what? I'm actually miserable. I may look good on Instagram, but my life outside of Instagram isn't so good. You got to admit that the middle is miserable. But you know what I love? That even though you and I are in the middle, even though what Romans 6 tells us is this, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Even though we've been set free from, from sin, we're no longer separated, we're no longer held bondage. The tendency that some people will say is that now because I've been saved, I can live however I want. And so what Paul's telling us, he's saying is, what shall we say then? I mean, if we've been saved, if we've been set free, can't we still just do whatever we want and Jesus will forgive us? He says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? What's he saying? You gotta get out of the middle. See, it's in the middle though 
where you have to understand and you have to realize what Jesus says in Romans 5, 8. He says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in the middle, while we still chose, it's an everyday reality. It's not just a a one-time decision that I'm good now. Every single day, we gotta realize if I'm not careful, if I don't make the the choice to obey God, I will find myself in the middle and drifting towards death. And when you experience that shame, you experience that guilt, Don't believe the lie the enemy wants to sell you. You need to go back to the truth of scripture, to the truth of God's word, to the truth about his love for you, that nothing can separate you. And that while we were in the middle, Christ died for us. Come on. While we were in the middle, he still came and he still died. He still chooses you. So we got to get out of the middle. Probably heard it said like this, that it's okay to not be okay. We say that a lot. It's it's okay to not be okay. The truth is, is a lot of us, we find ourselves in the middle. But the part that we don't want to talk about is that it's not okay to stay that way. (laughs) That when Paul, as I mentioned last week, he's talking about the thorn in his flesh. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, to get me out of the middle. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. That my power is made perfect in your weakness. What he is saying is this. He's saying that his grace meets you in the middle so you don't have to stay miserable. Come on, I'm gonna say that again. His grace meets you in the middle so you don't have to stay miserable. You don't have to stay that way. You don't gotta live there. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave, you don't have to live in the middle and drift towards disobedience, drift towards death, that Jesus comes down in the middle and he sets you free from it so you don't gotta be miserable. He sets you free to live the life he's called you to live. He sets you free for love, for joy, for peace, for patience, for kindness, for goodness, for faithfulness, for gentleness, and for self-control. So number three, if you're taking notes, that you can start a new life today. That you can start a new life today. That the truth is for some of us is we don't just find moments where we're in the middle. We've been living a lifetime there. Maybe for some of you, you grew up in church. Maybe your parents took you to church. Maybe for a long time, you, you may have believed that you were good because of your righteous works, because of the good things you did and the, the, the bad things you didn't do. Maybe for you, you've, you've looked around people and you're like, I'm definitely not that over there, but I'm also, I'm not that over there either. And, and you found yourself in, in the middle. And if you're just being honest, I think we all can relate. The middle is miserable. And so the truth of God's word is that you can start a new life today. The old is gone and the new has come. Romans 8, 1 says it like this. It says, there is right now, somebody put right now, there is right now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because of his payment for you on the cross, because of his love and his grace that met you in the middle, that met you while you were a sinner, because of his love and his grace for you, You no longer have to be a slave to sin, separated from God, and held a hostage. Today, you can begin a new life in Christ. 
And he says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That when God looks at you, he smiles at you because of his son. Because you have accepted the free gift of grace that you have put on Christ so that now when he looks at you, he sees Jesus and he says with you, I'm loved and I'm well pleased. Can I pray for you? Father, thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that even while we were living in the middle, even while we were stuck in the middle, even when we were isolated, even when we were lonely, even when we didn't want help, even when we didn't want accountability, when we, when we, we went away from everyone else and we went into this place of hiding, God, you saw us there and you loved us anyway, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. God, we are thankful. And so today, God, I just ask that you would give us the strength. God, you would give us the faith to be led by the spirit, to proclaim your truth and to get out of the middle. God, that we have the choice to choose you. We have the choice to not choose sin, but choose to obey. So God, we thank you for giving us that choice. So God, right now, I just lift up everyone who's watching on the screen, who feels like they've been stuck in the middle, God, that have been, that have been constrained once again by the sin that they were set free from, believing that it's only hurting them, but everything else around them is hurting as well. God, would you just, would you free them from that right now? reminding them of your grace, reminding them of your love, that you meet them in the middle. God, and right now I pray for those who feel like their life has been lived in the middle, that they've never been set free. God, that they still feel separated. They still feel distant from you. God, right now in this moment, they would know that if they will place their faith in you, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if that's you today, I'd love to invite you right now in this moment to pray this with me. Not that there's anything special about the prayer. You can, you can pray prayers and not mean them, but right now you're identifying and say, I, I am a sinner and I'm miserable in the middle and I've tried everything to get out, but I keep drifting towards disobedience. God, right now, I wanna give you my life. I wanna surrender it to you so that I can be forgiven and free. If that's you, pray this with me. Say, God, I'm a sinner. I need your grace. Would you come in and change my life? I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose from the grave so that I could be forgiven and free, so I can be made right with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, well, thank you so much again for watching today. Make sure you share this video. This is the easiest time in the world to tell people about the good news of Jesus. If you made a decision uh, to follow Jesus today or to get baptized, you can let us know by sending us an email at stories at renovation.church. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. I hope it encouraged you. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. Send an email to info at renovation.church. And if you would like to partner with us financially and help us reach people with the message of Jesus, you can do so at renovation.church give. Have a great day.